Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. It feels like some cows have been ripping bong hits all night up in here because the stakes have never been higher. Welcome to the People's Pitch, the one, only, and official podcast of Minneapolis City SC. I am your host, Nate, and I am joined by the thorny to my farva, John Bizworm. John, (laughs) how are you holding it together this week? (laughs) <laughs> lots of summit lots now. of summits oh man squeaky bum time it is win or go home time and it's all icing on the cake man we we accomplished three out of three goals we had this year as an organization and we're we're pushing for the extra added bonus goals now i hear you man just like our crows <laughs> this show is laser focused tonight as we drill down into the only thing that matters moving forward and that is the postseason uh tonight the mailbag is back spoiler alert it's gonna have a playoff focus uh and it is deja vu all over again as we prep for our third game of the year against the team that just will not die duluth fc <laughs> <laughs> and once again, we have the master of Midwestern soccer in the house. He is a great soccer mind. Fletcher Sharp joins us to give us his take on City versus Duluth, as well as all the other as the other side of the bracket in the Final Four. Uh, plus, we're going to discuss who could be up next if the stars align and we move on. John, this is uncharted territory for City. Get out your uh, compass and your sextant. Let's navigate through these dark waters let's Uh, do it last week we totally shit the bed and forgot to cover some playoff related mail that we received but hey better late than never right we still go we still got time to do this so we will pretend that this week is last week as the topics align really well with this show and listener Bryn writes what are your thoughts on the fact that the regional final is the day after the regional semifinal necessary evil or something the league needs to find a way to change i understand the season is short and needs to finish up before mid-August, but I am worried that with the heat this summer and potential for overtime, you could get players being just gassed for the final. All right, so I'll take this one. Mm -hmm. To put it simply, you may agree or disagree with things that are done at MPSL headquarters, inside or outside of our organization, but the playoff schedule is one that I think needs some serious attention. I mean, look... I understand that, as Bryn noted, things have to be completed by August because majority of the the players in this league uh, need to go back to school. But I believe a blind eye has been kind of cast towards the fact that other members of teams in this league are people who have day jobs. (laughs) So let's put aside that in this year's case, the number one seed, us, is not hosting the playoff, (laughs) the regional playoffs, and that two teams from Minnesota have to travel 10 plus hours to Michigan to play each other. But the the ask to have players take off of their job, in some cases up to six working days, is a really hard thing to do. I mean, it's hard enough to insert just general league travel into your real life if you have a job. But at, uh, at the end of the summer, 
you know, you might have to be taking off what is likely, you know, six plus days for the, 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 um, the playoffs in your PTO or sick time, uh, PTO or sick time. But you, on top of that, you also have to think about just the general travel that might have to require you to take a day off. So on top of that, most of these guys are recent graduates that have just started a job in general, and they necessarily don't have the time to take off of work. And on top of that, the back-to-back game days is hard for anyone, regardless of travel. I mean, it's even hard for youth players to, to play in that. So to give your very best in a knockout scenario is, is hard enough, but to ask this level of player to do so uh, is a recipe for a few things, Nate. One is sloppy play, and two is the potential for injury. And I get that it's hard for a league to fit everything in, but there has to be something that can be done to lessen the burden on the players because they're the product, right? Yep. Like mm-hmm. no one comes to these games to see the league front office <laughs> operate. They come <laughs> to see the players on the field. And then I get it. It's not an easy job for, for the league to do, but it's one that has to be reviewed and, you know, maximize the beauty of what is playoff sports. Yeah. So I agree, I think, but but really in most cases, what what's happening with us might be the best option for teams in other parts of the country. Like if you're a West region finalist like uh, FCM Portland or a South region finalist like Little Rock, wouldn't you rather travel just once for a weekend to San Francisco or to Miami? Because then you only I really have to worry about dealing with the costs and planning involved with travel for maybe one weekend if you get to buy like we do instead of two or three, like that's a lot to commit to. Like you said, that could be an additional, you know, two, four, six days that you have to take off in order to get there. So this is exactly where the league stays on brand. This is where NPSL stays on brand. We are the only region whose playoffs are structured this way. Where and we might be the only region whose playoffs might not make sense to be structured this way. So so yes, a review is definitely needed. Um, but I had a thought, John. Could we travel with, knowing that you roster 18 men a game, could we travel with our entire team, like everyone that we have rostered and only, yes, and yes. only, and have 18 different guys for the 18 guys for the first game and 18 guys, a different makeup for the second game? Yes, you absolutely could. But is it your best team? Probably and not. That, and that, it's probably a little goes... extra expense, extra vans, extra buses. Right, it's more money. So mm-hmm. it all goes back to being behind the eight ball, however you slice it. And, and I don't have an answer for it, and I don't necessarily like put it all on the league, uh, you know. but it, it's just something that has to be looked at. I mean, yeah. Like you said, we're the only conference uh, or region that has to deal with this. So if we're the only one, then what's happening in the other regions that could be adopted to, mm-hmm. to make it to make this change? So um, the second question that our, that our listener Brent had was um, – to follow up that question, is it worth noting that the Midwest region and East Conference and Great Lakes Conference only have seven teams while the North has eight teams, meaning the teams in the North have to play 14 games while the others only have to play 12? I feel it's pretty safe to say Minneapolis City felt the consequences of fixture congestion this season. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> given that Eris has been historically bad, is it possible to ban them from the North Conference if enough of the team's owners vote in favor? 
That way, every team in the region would have an equal number of regular season games. City would lose a chance to host a game slash sell tickets, which would probably hurt the club financials. It might be worth it if if it could help out the space of the schedule a little bit more. I don't know. I I could be uh, I don't know. Banning a team that is pretty or it's pretty drastic drastic, and it's not like the other regions have an equal number of teams in each conference. Anyways. Thoughts, Nate? Yeah, I think that is pretty drastic to ban a team. Um, while it does suck to add two games to the schedule, in the most immediate sense, it all evens out. Everyone in the North has to play 14 games, right? Everyone has to build their team to deal with that fatigue, and if you don't, you don't. Um, I just don't think the NPSL would dump a dues-paying team just to make it even in a league where the realities of geography mean that some conferences' teams are more concentrated than others. And so because of the sheer volumes of team nearby, like in the Northeast, you might have 11 in your vision in your division and you only get to play each other once or, um, you know, way in the Northwest, you have five in your division and you have to play each other three times. Uh, you know, parity is not a concern for, for the NPSL clearly as we've, uh, as we've seen. So, you know, I think it is what it is and we're just going to have to deal with it for the foreseeable future. Sure. Uh, but you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer. I mean, I like you said, you can't kick out a dues-paying member, and regardless of how they perform. And I mean, they took points off of us or a point off of us, and we won the division undefeated. So it's not like they're completely laying over and getting their belly scratched. You know, they're they're trying <laughs> to fight. Um, they just might not have the means to. And and I look at then at, at at the ownership group of that team. Like, are you doing everything to to required or within your ability to be competitive. I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. I think if the philosophy and the business model of the NPSL is any indicator, their answer to um, maybe an, maybe too many games over the summer would be to add teams to our region and split us up even more. Well, think about it this way. Instead of having two teams qualify for within each division, or sometimes even four, and have a playoff, mm-hmm. what if just the winner of the com- of each individual conference then made the playoffs, and then you look at geographically how that works out, verse, and then you seed it based off of like the 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 winning the the highest seed plays the lowest seed. I know then travel costs come in, into consideration, but that's when the league would have to step in and provide some subsidy, or even U.S. Soccer. God forbid they ever come down this level um, and provide some <laughs> some some uh, financial assistance to teams to be able to make this a better thing. I, you know, like I said, I don't know if there's a, necessarily a, a general fix, but something has to be looked at. And and I I challenge the league to to look at something in the ownership meeting at the end of the year. Yeah, and finally. Who wins player of the season for City, in your opinion? If Bryn had to choose, he would say Will Kidd. Any chance we can dive into the archives and see what we said about players to watch for the season? It might be fun to hear now that the regular season is over. That's a good idea. So, great question, Bryn. But, unfortunately... That's a topic for a different day. We will be diving into a full review of the season, including honors, which um, we, you know, w- once we're all done and dusted. So you're going to have to wait and uh, hibernate on that for a few weeks. So sorry about that, Bryn. All right. So there's a game tomorrow, Nate. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you heard. <laughs> um, so the boys currently are on their way and off on their 10-hour trip to Ann Arbor as the number one seed in the NPSL Midwest 
play regional playoffs. You might think that comes with a lot of rewards and fruits for their hashtag undefeated labor this past conference season, but you would then be wrong, ma'am or sir. In typical fashion, soccer has not smiled upon us, given that we were that number one seed and are not only uh, are, are not only not hosting a playoff round. We have a Friday match ten hours away at three p.m. Central. And if we win that game, we have to then turn around and do it all over again with just a chance, a, a, a glimmer in the eye to play in the final against probably an even better team that's or a team that maybe is on an even better playoff type hot streak just for the chance to lift a trophy or, and get into the final four in the country. So with all that said, Friday, July 20th, we are pitted against our conference rivals, Duluth FC. And if you wanted another reason for no love loss between both of these teams, toss in the fact that we beat them handily a few weeks back to win the conference. Um, and then on top of that fire, it uh, would be the fact that they just probably don't like us and want to beat us. So, <laughs> yeah, John, you don't I mean, you don't get a lot of opportunities in this league to to play a new unfamiliar team. So it's a little bit of a letdown for me personally to have to square off against Duluth again. Again, yeah, like and then an, and then you add into that every time that we play this team, it's like it feels like we're walking a tightrope between victory and disappointment. And it's always a game that I have mixed emotions about. This one in particular, I'm I'm pretty bummed about. I wish we'd been playing someone a little little fresher that way if we lost it'd be like ah well we just didn't know about that team it was cool to see our guys play someone different we gave it our all instead we're playing Duluth and if you know if we win it's going to be amazing and and it's going to continue our uh the trend uh our upward trend but if we lose it's like god damn it like we had to lose to those fucking guys <laughs> right i know so fresh <laughs> <laughs> fresh off their dramatic home win in penalties in the first round of the playoffs versus a very good Grand Rapids side, a, a, a rebuilt side, as we'll find out a little bit later when we talk to our, our guests today. Duluth, in typical Duluth fashion, scored both early and late goals and then also conceded at the death to force overtime, <laughs> not only to then sub out their goalkeeper who kept them in that match, um, for a goalkeeper that apparently is good at penalties because it paid off as he saved two spot kicks um, to help them advance into the re regional That's final That's crazy. Four. That is so I nuts. I know. It's non-league soccer at its finest. It's some FIFA, that's some FIFA shit that's right there. That's ballsy. <laughs> so what can we expect from Duluth? I find it real hard to believe that over in Duluth, it was the same old, same old at training this past week. There had to have been an added level of intensity and incentive given who we are and what has historically been involved on and off the pitch between the two sides. Uh, and as noted, what went down just a few weeks ago. But on the flip side, those same topics were not left out of the minds of our boys and the city household as <laughs> they were hard to work prepping for this match, Nate. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, Duluth has made a major shift in their deployment of both personnel and style in the past two months. And I, I we've talked about it almost at nauseum when we, we've, we've gone up against these guys. But gone is that dump and pray model that we had seen over the past few years and inserted is more of an organized side that focuses, focuses on the attempt. And I highlight attempt to put the ball down and play in the four, two loss in Osseo. It was an exciting match, honestly, mm -hmm. that saw both teams focused on playing good soccer. 
expect them to run out their this new similar type 4-2-3-1 formation that relies heavily on possession but still falls back I think on that old crutch of the long ball to the wings uh to the talis or to up top to the talisman Kyle Farrar where things fall apart for them however is when they play too conservatively in this new formation and do not attempt to get guys forward to support longer service either up top or diagonally on the wing play also, they have shown that in this willingness to put the ball down and play, we've seen that some of their back line is, is comfortable on the ball with uh, at their feet, while others look totally out to sea and want nothing to do with it, <laughs> where, uh, which is an area where we could kind of capitalize on. Next, can they strike during the normal run of play and, and not kind of wait for the dramatics at the end of a, each half? They have shown that they come out of the gates in the second half of games a lot hotter than they've done in the first half. Versus us, we've already seen that twice, um, where they scored both in the beginning of the second half at home to tie the game, which eventually was a one-to-one, and uh, to almost or to, to grab a goal back two-to-one at, at home. But in, the, in a playoff scenario, it's not the best – it's not really the best to rely on that type of tactic. We, we have shown that we can score uh, – we can outscore some of the best teams. But can they win in a goal fest, Nate? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'll have to take a look at the stats, but I'm not sure that they've scored a ton of goals against teams not named – uh, lacrosse heiress right so lastly how will they travel travel rumors have swirled that they have they've lost a few players some guys have quit some guys have left or gone back back home to school or, or what have you but these players from what i've heard have been some key players we haven't seen Sean Morgan in a while. Sean Morgan's a good soccer player. Are there others that aren't going to be able to travel? But you better believe, as noted earlier, they will put pull out all the stops because it's versus us. Let's hope it's more of the well-played fight that they provided in our 4-2 win against them uh, that was on display in our last match and not the garbage donkey ball that we've seen in the past. Yeah, last time they seemed to have game-planned against... Uh... Game plan against the team that we brought to Duluth, and it hurt them. You have to expect that they're going to learn from their mistakes and make adjustments to match up to the team that they saw only a few weeks ago in Osseo. Right. But will that still be the same team dynamic, or will we have adjusted it again? We shall see. Oh, yes, we shall. <laughs> John, you <laughs> have been close to perfect on your keys to victory, whether or not we pull out the victory. At least you knew that they were keys. The keys were there uh, in the <laughs> yeah. glove compartment somewhere. And there have been a lot of victories this year. What can City do to get into the final on Saturday? Well, I'm so glad. What you can City made. do on Friday to get into the final taking place Saturday? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could, I, we, we could talk for five hours about what we could do if we went on Friday and play on Saturday, but we'll focus on Friday. Yeah. So number one, score goals. <laughs> We've done it all year. It mm -hmm. sounds super simple, but with all the focus on the travel and the high pressure type playoff environment, the chances still will come, but are, but they're, they're just that much more important. You have tired legs, you have you know, you have the trap, not necessarily tired from, from playing too much, even though it's the end of the season, but you have tired from the travel you have, you know, you have all these different factors that could mentally and physically that could come up. So when the chances come, gotta bury them. 
Number two, defend and attack as a unit. I really feel that in this game, the first team to not just make a general mistake, but one that makes uh, you know a mistake in the wrong spot on the field and are not organized enough to recover from that mistake is going to be the total decider. If it's a lazy pass or a 1v1 battle that's lost or a long ball that's not tracked, uh, tracked well, it could put us in early hole if it's us who does that. Um, and, and it could force teams to come back on us if we're the ones that uh, are, are pushing the front foot. And finally, have focused fun. <laughs> what is that? I'm so glad you asked, Nate. Yeah, oh. This is what focused fun means. <laughs> this point uh, in the season, the playoffs are equal parts a reward for your efforts, uh, as well as a showcase of talent to the national audience. And... Again, equal parts in a third, a chance to end the season and crown to be the best team in your league. What we need to do is remember that, sure, this is really a high-press situation, but if we focus just on that, you know, if we play stiff, people will not make only make, make just mistakes. Um, they'll make crucial mistakes because they're trying too hard. So we need, instead, what we need to do is enjoy this stage and, and have fun. Elevate yourself individually in a relaxed fashion and just play your game. Yeah, I think that last point that you made is really quite amazing to me. I really hope. Well, thank the, you, thank you, Nate. I hope. I, I love to amaze you. It sounds very. <laughs> it's 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 funny. Every once in a while, um, you know, I, I read you. I read you wrong, and I wouldn't have expected you to say something like this. But I really do hope the guys are. Well, hold on. Why why would you say that? Well, you're. It, this is coming from a place of experience for you, and I should have known this. But like. For you to just come out and say, you know what, it's okay to have fun and let's like take advantage of this opportunity and just like take this as take just being there as a reward doesn't feel like the competitive John Bisworm that I that I know and love. Well, I'll, I'll follow that up. Um, you know, when we conceived City three years or four years ago and then started three years ago, our goal was to to compete. And then on paper, our goal, uh, you know, we looked at uh, our players and our, our goal was then to win the division and then. Now we've we've done all that, but it took us three years to accomplish goals that we had in two. And now you're looking at a playoff scenario in our third our third year in the league. It's un, like we mentioned, it's uncharted territory for mm-hmm. us. So for me, being an analytical mind, I think that this is all cherry on the Sunday mm. because we accomplished our goals this year, and it took us three years to accomplish those goals. Like I mentioned. Now we go to this national stage or the, uh, via the regional playoffs, and you know we've done we've we've outkicked our coverage and what we thought you know being the the nation's leading goal scoring team. Who fuck would have ever thought that when, after when, last when year, we, especially yeah after last year's team, right? So we we've already advanced so much further on what our goals were, and we accomplished all of them this season. So my expectations then, you know, to, to your point is, yeah, I'm I'm competitive, John Bisworm, but I understand where we're at right now. We we haven't been in this world before. We're gonna have to see what happens. I hope the best happens. Obviously, right? I don't I don't wish that we lose at all. I, I think we can win win the region. But if we don't, we take what happened, and then that becomes our goal next year, and we build towards that. Yeah, man. So I like that. Let's just keep it loose. I love that it treating this as as equal part, like you said, a reward for for this season and also a showcase. And I really hope that those guys are excited to show the country what all the fuss up here in Minneapolis is about and keep making a name for themselves because some of them truly have made a name for themselves on the uh, 
on the national stage and it can only hope to elevate elevate their game and continue to build Minneapolis City as a pathway to pro. So if you haven't left by now, uh, you're probably not going to make it to the match. But <laughs> but you, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, maybe, maybe you might make it to the match. That's not warm ups. Yeah. Right? If so, you... <laughs> so yeah. So if you're any of the players from City who weren't on the buses to go down there, you're not playing, dude. Yeah, I think <laughs> by the time fan, this thing comes maybe. out in the morning, no way in hell. Uh, if you can duck out of work early, though, the game will be tell will be on at 4 p.m. Eastern. It'll be streamed 3 p.m central uh the match details can of course be found on all city social channels and if you're interested in watching the match with fellow members of the murder you and i might be down there yeah down there you're gonna be down there i'm gonna be down there pop on over to new bohemia on lake street in uptown uh, where the match will be streamed live it's like right next door to the bryant lake bowl if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with that area lake in lindale um I strongly urge you to come down and take part in what it truly is, uh, Minneapolis City history. Right. You know, come down and buy me a beer. It'll be great. (laughs) Thanks for all you've done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. You made this all possible. Mm -hmm. Here is the finest Pilsner that you can have in a hot summer day. This coming weekend isn't just about City versus Duluth. It is the Midwest conference final four so like we said we are bringing in a regional expert to help us break down all the action uh that's going to be happening in ann arbor this weekend and any potential future city matchups we are pleased to welcome back fletcher sharp a michigan journalist who is an expert in lower division soccer especially the goings-on in the great lakes conference of the npsl Midwest. He has featured on soccer publications all over the web, as well as uh, on the in the spoken word form in the soccer podcast planet that is uh, that is out there in the soccer podcast universe. It's the second time on the show. We're happy to welcome you back, Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, before we ask you how how you've been, we do have to uh, thank you because you are we are currently undefeated since we last had you on. We really appreciate all that mojo you provided the team. I feel like there are a lot of things you could attribute it your success to besides talking to me. Typically, people talk to me and they get worse. So I, <laughs> I guess I'll take it. I guess you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, hey, first time for everything. Otherwise, everything you touch turns to shit. Essentially, you know, yes. <laughs> we we've talked about it before on our show. You know, you know, you can't you can't win them all, or you can't lose them all, but you can certainly win them all. That's you know. Hey, I mean. A blind squirrel finds a nut eventually, That's, right? <laughs> right, exactly. It might take three years to find it, but eventually you do. So, c- kind of to dive right in, so you covered the Midwest region, but really you kind of dig in uh, on the state of Michigan. What have you seen from the soccer world near neck of the woods this season? Um, Actually, I've seen a kind of a pick up and play, uh, which is good. Not just including the MPSL, but also including the PDL. Uh, the U- give me one second. God bless. That was not supposed to come on. <laughs> the air conditioner. I thought I turned it off, and aha. Okay, that was not the power button that hit. That was the delay button. All right. <laughs> So basically, it's not like you're in a server room. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, okay. Where was I? Um, uh, where, 
Nate, are you still recording? Yeah, yeah, man. We're that we're keeping that blooper. <laughs> uh, you said the the oh my God. quality of play across Michigan, uh, the PDL, not only PDL, yeah. MPSL, uh, UPSL. It's gotten better, save for like uh, Ann Arbor FC, which is a new team. They're terrible. Like FC Minneapolis, terrible. So like, ignore them entirely. Don't know. Everyone else has gotten better, though. Uh, teams like Kalamazoo and the MPSL probably will never make the playoffs. But overall, as a unit, they've pushed uh, teams to get better. Uh, Grand Rapids has recovered from last year's horrible, horrible Barone-led coup that led to them dropping out of the playoffs. Uh, Lansing United left the NPSL, went to the PDL. I expected them to be terrible. Most people did. Um, they lost a few of their better players. They got Michigan State's best players. Uh, Michigan State, one of the better collegiate teams in the last most recent years, and they're currently in the PDL over the Michigan Bucks, who are one of the best semi-professional teams in the history of soccer. Not just PDL, just overall. Uh, they hold the record for the most uh, professional teams beaten in the U.S. Open Cup. I think it's like three or four. Most MLS teams beat in three or four. I think professional, it's like in the teens. So, like, they've gotten better, and I'm happy to see that. Uh, Detroit City FC, as everyone knows, had a bit of a down year, but they continue to push, uh, maybe not on the field as much, but off the field in terms of what they do to uh, revolutionize the game in terms of, you know, small league soccer. Typically, you don't see you see a small league team maybe get one professional team Detroit City's had three and they're gonna have a fourth in like two weeks so like it's it's very it's amazing to see and happy for them but we're gonna focus on uh, uh, the number one seed uh, AFC and Arbor they uh they're three years in the NPSL three years in the playoffs there's really nothing more you can say from that that's very good. And every year that they've been in the playoffs, first year they got knocked out in the regional uh, semifinal. Next year they got knocked out in the regional final. So, like, they're building, you know. Yeah, they're getting, uh, they're going farther and farther every year. Uh, hopefully we can stop that trend this year. So, you, you kind of mentioned Detroit. So, you know, last year we saw Detroit, from a playoff perspective, kind of have the deepest run out of the teams in, in your area. But, you know, you also mentioned, too, that, you know, it's, it's wildly speculated that when you, when you take the pageantry and the fanfare out of the equation, Ann Arbor really is just playing the best soccer in the area over the past few seasons. Would that be correct? Yeah, and I, I know there will be people that want to say, well, that's not the case at all, but... Detroit took Ann Arbor's best center back last year in Jimmy Fiscus, who played for Michigan State, uh, by way of just their coach being a Michigan State grad and knowing all the Michigan State players. They took Ann Arbor's best center back, and Ann Arbor's defense got better. <laughs> so, like, Ann Arbor is tied for fewest goals allowed yeah. in the entire nation with four. So yeah. if you take my best defensive player and my number one goalkeeper goes away on honeymoon, comes back and gets injured, and I put in a second goal goalie who then gets hurt and put in a third goalie, and we get better as a unit, 
yeah, no, we're just a better team. That's the end of, there's no debate there. And I feel like anyone who wants to like try to say, well, what about this and this is just looking for something to say because they don't want to accept the loss, which is, you know, fine because people don't accept lo- losing well sometimes, but you got to accept it eventually. Sure. So, so, so if, if we, if we kind of can continue on that theme, what's the sentiment out in your neck of the woods? Do, do people use the, the shadow of, of Detroit um, to qu- kind of quietly operate, um, you know, or do they like, operate within that shadow and, and just play good soccer? Or is there kind of a love-hate relationship with with Detroit in that area? Because, like... I, people trust me to say stuff, and I feel like a good journalist. When people give you anonymous sources, you don't reveal the sources because then people don't give you anonymous sources, and then you end up not having anyone talk to you. And then you're a terrible journalist. You go out of business. You have no money. People laugh at you, and I don't want to be that, you know. <laughs> so, but you you ask certain fan groups, um, certain fans, certain people affiliated with certain clubs, and they're kind of like, whatever, we'll just do what we need to do. You ask certain clubs, and they're like, hey. They're out there being dicks just to be dicks for the sake of being dicks, and they're losing, so I don't really see what the point of it is. Recently, there was an article written uh, by John Neo, who writes for the Detroit Free Press, talking about how Detroit City FC has kind of plateaued to a degree, where they don't know what to do the next step is, because they have all the success off the field, they have all these fans showing to their games and everything, and a lot of the fan groups are like, they need to win. They, they, that's what you need to do. If you want to like move to the next level, you probably should have a championship in the league you're currently in. You probably should not leave it without a championship, or at least a chance to play for the championship. So, like, I'm kind of in the middle. I do agree that they've done a lot of great things off the field. Um, they have interact. They've interwoven into the community probably top five in the country. The community in that whole Hamtramck area loves Detroit City. When it's a game day. They come out, they march with the fans, um, they pack the stadium, they wear Detroit's colors unless they're playing against a team, you know, like Nekaha, they had, uh, they're going to have Frosinone, uh, they had... St. Pauli. St. Pauli. So when it's like teams like that, yeah, of course you might come in your gear for those teams rather than, you know, Detroit City, but they still come out and support. Um, So they're doing great there. But my thing is, that's great and all. But, like, you got to win. You need W's. You have no W's. You need to stay where you are. Because if you leave, like, after, like, finishing third, fourth, fifth in your team, in your division, with the players you have, and you expect to go pro and do stuff with players like that, you'll get a rude awakening, and you'll be losing a lot more money. So, like, maybe, I don't know. My opinion is just to stay where they are for right now, but people don't listen to me anyways. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so let's let's talk uh, let's talk NPSL playoffs for a little bit, and we'll start with the game that people around here might not be too familiar with. So I want to get your thoughts on Cleveland versus Ann Arbor. John and I talked a little bit last week about Ann Arbor, and you just mentioned it too. They've got that extra stingy defense, four goals allowed all season, and they go up against um, the East's Cleveland FC who have one of the region's most dangerous goal scorers in Vinnie Bell. He had eight regular yeah. season goals, including two hat-tricks, and then he just hung a hat-trick on Erie in their in their first postseason game. Uh, that who, that guy's been around forever. Who's going to give ground in this scenario? 
Um, so there's a little bit of history here. One, Vinnie Bell's, like, back when... I feel weird. I have to mention this, because it's a thing, and I've made it a thing. And I feel weird whenever people call Cleveland SC an expansion team. Because technically they are, but, like, 80% of their team was AFC Cleveland last year. Mm -hmm. Only difference is they have new owners who, like, are not whiny little children. That's the main difference. They have, they're not purple anymore, and they have new owners who are like, hey, I get it that we have to pay money on time. I understand that <laughs> facet. We'll pay money on time. Not like we're not going to pay because you did something here. So, you know, whatever. But Vinnie Bell, as long as I've been around covering the NPSL, Vinnie Bell has always been there. And he's always been there in the same exact... Like, I sent out a tweet to... Minneapolis City, I sent out a t tweet to AFC and Arbor, and I'm like, look, whoever plays Cleveland, just don't leave him open in the box. If you leave him open in the box, he's going to find a way to put a ball in the net. It's his formula for the past six years. Leave him open, ball touches him, ball goes in net. And it, it's it's simple, like, just mark him. But people always seem to lose him at really clutch moments. Uh, AFC and Arbor, their first run into the playoffs was ended by AFC Cleveland by way of Vinnie Bell. Um, so... I would like to think that AFC and Arbor will, you know, fix it this time. They've learned the same from their mistakes. At the same time, I just don't doubt Vinnie Bell ever or their midfield, which is made up of a lot of really talented people. Most of their last names I can't really pronounce and haven't been able to for some time. <laughs> but, like, they're, they're a unit that knows each other well. They're, they're, they're not one of those teams you just assembled, like, oh, they came together at the beginning of the season. Like, they all go and hang out during, you know, the off season. They all go and hang out and do a bunch of stuff. It's kind of like how uh, Milwaukee Torrent is, where their players play indoor and also play outdoor together, except they're not bad. So, <laughs> Are you talking about these, like, uh, like, Croatian sounding dudes like Admir Suljevic or Michael yes. Derizic, Chris. Yes. What's this? Jveko? I don't know. That's hard. I can see they're hard to pronounce, man. Yeah. Those, they've been playing together for some time. Like they have rapport where I'm fairly certain they probably could throw a lot of no look 40 yard passes to each other and hit each other on the dime. Damn. So, like, I, I, they're, they're very. The thing they have is cohesiveness. The thing AFC Arbor has, and I mean this. Not to demean Cleveland at all. I mean this like just yeah. AFC and Arbor is probably a more talented team. Um, people like to say that uh, Coach Rut, Coach uh, Detroit's coach Ben Pierman for Detroit is the best coach in the region and the best motivator. I would say he's the second best, and I would expand it to the entire Midwest. In my opinion. Um, the best motivator slash game manager slash recruiter in the entire Midwest is Eric Rudlin. You could take his entire 22 from this year, and he will find 22 equally or greater players to fill in. Perfect example, Detroit City FC took Jimmy Fiscus last year, so what did Eric Rudlin do? Eric Rudlin went out found Jack Cauley, who was playing in, I think, 6th Division in English soccer. I call him the taxi man because over in England, he was actually driving a taxi while playing soccer, <laughs> while, also play, while also playing in the FA Cup. He then, went out and, well, he then went out and got Joseph Stanley Okumu, who is my pick 
for the Great Lakes Player of the Year, um, which is weird for a center back who has no goals, no assists, no shots on goal. Um, but Joseph Okumu, um, for some backstory, captained the uh, Kenyan U23 team this last summer for two games against Uzbekistan to two wins. Um, he is currently being scouted by a USL team that I'm not at liberty to say, um, and most likely will be picked up at the end of the season. Most likely will probably be playing for their MLS team sometime soon. Um, he, he's a stud. He, the first time I saw him dribble a ball, I was like, I'm worried because he looks like he does not know what he's doing. Two games later, uh, against Detroit City, um, he made one diving head save on a shot that just, we're like, what are you doing? And <laughs> in the 90th minute of the game, like 90th, like the city's going to come down and score. He makes a sliding, like, chest. Uh, chest of a ball to tip it out for a corner and it saved the game for them because they were broken at that point and after the corner came in they got the ball out and they won literally seconds later won um he he's a stud and when he's not there when he went away to go train uh Ann Arbor's defense showed up until that point they'd only given up two goals when he left they gave up two goals in one game to Grand Rapids and a loss so What's like he Sorry, what's his strength defensively that makes him so good? Um, for someone his size, he's tall and lean. He's very fast, but he's also very strong. Like, you're not going to push him off the ball, and you're not going to outrun him for a ball. So at best, you'd have to hope that, like, you get by him, and, like, you have possession of the ball either for a foul or he just makes a mistake. Like, he's, he's, he's very... I... No, I, and being a forward, I really hate giving defenders props at all. Like I'm like, you just got lucky, you got a foot in the way, you're really garbage. I don't care, don't talk to me. No, he's he's a re like I'm I'm not a fan of any team in Michigan because I can't be a fan of a team in Michigan. But like I like players, and he's like one of my favorite players to watch just because when he goes in there and he's so nice, he's like most unassuming person ever. But when it comes game time, it's like you don't get the ball. It's not your ball anymore. It's his ball. What's the uh, what's the offensive danger of, of Ann Arbor? Ann Arbor is led by Yuri Farkas, who, along with Matt Bream and former AFC Ann Arbor player Hector Morales, played in the Canifa World Cup. Um, I don't know if you know what the Canifa World Cup is. No. It's basically the non-league World Cup, where like they take some small federations and... They play. They played over in England this time for the for the like the Canifa World Cup between nations. So like, U.S. was represented for the first time by the Concordia, I mean by the by the Cascadia region of Northwest U.S. and Canada. Um, there were a few small African nations within England playing. There was one Punjabi nation represented. Um, so if you get picked, typically it's, you know, pretty decent honors. The U.S. team had a lot of, the U.S. team had a former, uh, Seattle Sounder, uh, Justin somebody, I can't think of his name, but he looks like John Legend. That's all I can tell you. Um, <laughs> but Yuri Farkas is a, he's more of a, more of a 10 than he is a 9. He's kind of a deep receiving of the ball. He's very good with his feet on the ball, um, 
he'll probably hit you with a few stepovers before he goes by you. They're also led on the wings by Azad Az Liadi, mm-hmm. who uh, he's very fast, uh, insanely fast on the ball. Might not get a lot behind the shots sometimes, but normally he gets in front of the net to take great shots. They also have Jordan Montoya, who is a kind of kind of like a wing forward slash center mid who uh, is a starlet out of the League Ontario uh, soccer uh, league over there. Um, 19-year-old, really, really talented player. Um, who else? They also have Marky Barra, who plays for University of Michigan. Really great. Uh, I guess it's a six. Defensive mid's a six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great six for them. Um, he can come forward. He's got three goals in the season, all of them from very deep. Um, but no, he, he, he's a pretty good stopper of the ball. We so overall, that. overall, like AFC and Arb is a very solid team. Like yeah. I, there's, there's anyone can score a goal on you up top. Um, which is great in the past years. They've been carried by Dario Suarez, who also, uh, is currently playing for Miami FC two. Um, Oh, in the playoffs in the South. Yeah. Um, but normally he led them in goals scored and it was like not close. It's like, Mark, Dario, don't worry about anybody else. And when he left, the big worry for AFC and Arbor was who's going to score for us now? And their scoring load has been spread out to where like anyone could score for them. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you worry about when it gets crunch time, who's going to take over. But also they don't know who's going to take over. Yeah, yeah. So... It's a weird, you know, thing. So, basically, that, that's a, a very great kind of segue into our, our next topic in the fact that you can kind of spread around scoring. So, let's roll into our match. You know, we know who we are. H- have you had a chance to, to watch us or to watch Duluth play this past year? To watch you guys, yes. To watch Duluth this year, not that much outside of the MPSL's like little YouTube TV show where they show highlights. And I'm gonna just venture to say this, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Is it still pretty similar to last year? Well, that's the thing is that's what you'd think, right? Is they had a lot of success last year, um, but this year they have a new coach, and he's kind of reined in their. Their who their on field hooliganism. He's reigning in their physical the play. Yep, the the donkey play is is almost a thing of the past. And the new so thing, no more just hoofing it and just getting it. Yeah, I mean it, the long ball the long ball is not is not there as much. Um, we 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 kind of be, talked about it over the last couple of weeks that we're almost baffled that they've abandoned their um, what made them so successful in in exchange for something that made them at least a little more consistent. I'm not, and the reason why I'm not is I can point directly to Dakota and tell you why, because they did not abandon theirs at all, and they look terrible. And honestly, when they, sh- when we, when people saw them, when people saw Dakota warm up against Detroit, and we, everyone had read about Jay Johnson, um, still a really great talent up top. Yeah. Not gonna take that away from him, but everyone had read about him and like, oh, he scored how many goals? 18, 20 goals. That's amazing. Wow, he's a goal scorer. And then within the first minute of the game, they got a ball where they had a whole bunch of time to just work it up the field and just kicked it and said, go get it. 
And I was like, you know what? I have to watch 90 minutes of this. <laughs> if I was not being paid to be here, I would just leave because I'm not doing this. I'm so sorry. I'm not. So when they got destroyed, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And then when Duluth came and did the same thing in the first 10 minutes, I'm like, I really don't want to be here for this. Albeit Duluth scored twice early. So it's like, uh-oh, they might actually, you know, beat Detroit with a long ball, which I would chuckle about because no one as an adult should be beaten with a long ball that you know is coming over and over and over again. Unless, like, something is wrong, you know? Yeah. Unless, you know, the ref, the side judge is not helping you with the call. Your defense is a step too slow. But if you're, like, a good 20 yards back and you see them just saying, hey, look at you in the center circle. We're just going to kick it and hope you got it. And you get beat, maybe you should retire. Like, that's not good for you. That's <laughs> yeah, John, very bad. John, so what do you think the difference is this year for Duluth over last year? Real quickly. Oh, man, that's a loaded gun, dude. Yeah. Put it right to my head. Uh, you know, I think that the main difference between last year's team and this year's team is the fact that they, they brought in more imported talent. So last year's team kind of had this brotherhood, which we talk about on our own squad, being that we're all from the area. Uh, and all from Minnesota, but they, and they won on that. And it was, you know, part, I think, coaching responsibility where last year's coach, Kyle Backus, has kind of let the inmates run the asylum, where this year, Coach Pearson kind of tried to rein that in and, and try to impose his own style on the fact that he brought his own guys in. And there was, I mean, early on in the season, you could see that there was, there was constantly a, a, you know, a, uh, a love-hate relationship between the, the old guard and the new guard. And the old guard that they brought back were all quality players, but the, the new guard they brought in are also very good. So I, I think it, it finally took a while for them to kind of click. What was that, man? Uh, I'm sorry. Say it again. Didn't they get, didn't they get a player from, from, uh, from Dakota, that midfielder? Really good guy? Uh, no. Uh, no, he went to VSLT. Okay, all right. I know one of their midfielders left for someone and, like, help was helping them to be better. So, yeah. So, yeah, if, I mean. Oh, go ahead, John. Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, go ahead, Nate. I was just going to move us along. So, if the stars align for us and we take care of things tomorrow against Duluth, Fletch, chances are that on the other side of the bracket, Ann Arbor is going to do the same. But, like you said, there's some history there um, that, that might be, that might argue otherwise. But let's focus on that potential matchup. What intrigues you potentially about City Ann Arbor? Offense versus defense. You have the league's best offense, you have the league's best defense. That's that's you got to see what's going to break. Yep. I think that's an easy uh that's an easy answer there. I think you know, and I'll say Cleveland gets gets the win. We know that they're a goal-scoring threat, but I think that Cleveland's stats are going to be a they're a bit inflated by who what the heiress of their league, which is what Greater Binghamton FC Thunder, um, and even though Ann Arbor is also treated to probably the worst team in the country in their in their league, FC Indiana, um, should Cleveland pull out a win, how do they match up against City? Um, they're a bit going to be a bit more direct. Not to say AFC Arbor is not a direct team, but AFC Arbor has gotten by. There have been a few games where. It's frustrated some fans, but I guess you could say to a degree they played a bit of negative negative football. I don't want to say that, but it's been called that. Like the game, the two games against Detroit, they won it by a combined two nothing, yeah. and they maybe they maybe took five shots the entire game. The first game they won against Detroit, they won in the last minute. They won like literally on a on a free kick that I 
you know you see a goal happen and you're like it's gonna be a goal i don't know how it's gonna be a goal it's gonna be a goal their left back hit a little a little skip free kick a little hop into it and he hit it and i'm like that ball's going into the net somehow i don't know how and it skipped off a center back's head into the net and that was like their second shot of the game in the 92nd minute so like coach was very happy to just absorb pressure and just counter from that so I feel like Cleveland's going to be a bit more direct than that. I feel like they're going to try to get the ball towards the middle and get it up and then try to get it into the box, whether through the wing or whether through the air to Vinny. But I also feel like... I don't want to down another team that just played lost Erie. Um, but I, I feel like they weren't really tested in their division at all. Outside of Erie, like that division was pretty whack. Um and I'm not just talking about uh, Greater Binghamton, because, of course, everyone has uh, Aris or FC Indiana, which are, while I looked at this, the MPSL Midwest had, like, four or five of the top ten teams in the division at one time, but they also had the three, yeah, three worst teams in the league <laughs> by, like, far. Yeah. And it was, like, funny, but also, like, not funny because I don't know how you do that, and you're like, well, that's just it. Um, and heck, actually, the last game that uh, Ann Arbor played against FC Indiana, FC Indiana showed up in the same colors as Ann Arbor. What? <laughs> they, they, they just they just did not like Ann Arbor wore their wore their dark blue jerseys, and FC Indiana's like, we're gonna show up in our ways. It's like, all right, great. And then they showed up in like some black and blue jersey. It's like, well. You can't wear that, but also you don't want to be here in the first place. We know you don't want to be here in the first place, so just let's just play the game and get it over with. And they lost like nine nothing. So, you know, I mean, of course, people's stats will be inflated a little bit. Um, I mean, heck, technically, Yuri Farkas would not be the leading scorer for AFC and Arbor were it not for those five goals he scored against them in two games. Yep. So, like, you take those away, and, you know, I, I didn't do the numbers see who it would be, but it would be someone else. But I... I, I think it would be Montoya. Yeah, it would be Montoya. Actually, I don't even know, because he scored a few against them, too. Yeah, fair. So, um, but no, it's... it's If Cleveland were to win, you'd expect more of a direct game, um, which I think would probably feed more into your hands, because you guys get up and down pretty quickly as well. So, it might be a bit more exciting, Um but I, I, I feel like it'd be probably an easier win if you are able to con contain their goal scores. Against Ann Arbor, I feel it'd be a little bit harder because I know for a fact uh, Redlin is kind of like... The way his team played this year, at least, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor that's like not too out there. It's like a... Uh, it's like a turtle. Where he won't give his underside, he won't give the underside unless they get flipped entirely. Like they only get scored on when, like all four goals they've been scored on were like moments where they were totally just like assed out. Just we don't know what's happening, and the ball gets into the net. The last goal I saw that they've been scored on this year uh, was late in the game, and literally their goalie was not in the net, and they were chasing a player down, trying to foul him multiple times, and he just broke through and tapped the ball in, and it's like, well, I don't know what happened, but, like, clearly, they clearly something had to happen to just, you know, an oh shit moment, so, like, 
I feel like so if Ann Arbor's it's bad, a, Ann Arbor's a team that can that can really bunker down and right. and take advantage of of the mistakes of other team and and squeak out a one nothing win or a two nothing win rather than rather than try to outshoot someone and, and come out to like a four two victory. I mean, yes, they can come out to a four two victory. They have not done so this year. Right. They've chosen at best to like make the sideways pass a few times before they go forward just because you know one nothing is a lot safer than you know two to one yeah so if you had to say what's the number one weakness that ann arbor does have that could be exploited against a team that they're not used to facing multiple times in their division if it were be us or duluth that goes through um frustration so Michigan has a thing called the Michigan Milk Cup, um, which I don't know if you heard. Basically, yeah, the Milk Means More campaign uh, started a tournament between teams in Michigan, save for the Bucks and DCFC, and uh, AOT and I cruised through it for the most part. They lost in the they lost in the championship to Lansing United in like maybe the most nuts game I've ever watched in my life. Um, brief brief recap of it. Um, one player gets a red for sliding a sliding stomp. Two players get yellows for the result afterwards. Lansing plays down a player for sixty odd minutes, um, up to nothing. Anthony Arbor forces a penalty kick in like the eighty seventh minute, literally right after they score. Um, Lansing comes down and forces another penalty kick for themselves. The player for them scores the penalty kick, runs into the crowd to celebrate, but he also already had a yellow card, so he's kicked off. So it's <laughs> 11, on, 11 on 9. So literally after that, they go back down and Arbor forces another penalty kick. And now it's 3-2 to two all of a sudden, like the 93rd minute, and everyone's trying to fight each other on the field. So it had been last year's Lansing team, I feel like, Ann Arbor would, would have known better what to do, but because Lansing went to the PDL and got an almost entirely new roster altogether, they did not know how to play against this team. And as a result, the two games they have not they played against people they don't really know, which were against PDL teams, Lansing United and Ocean City Nor'easters in the U.S. Open Cup, they looked frustrated. And when they get frustrated offensively, their defense gets frustrated and gets pulled out of position. When they get pulled out of position, um, that's it for them. They struggle against speed. Uh, Dewan Jones, who plays for Lansing United, probably will be a professional player next year. Um, he's really fast and really strong. So he gave them fits. Okuma did not play that game because he was training. But Jack Call is a really great and serviceable center back. However, if he's had to, if he has to make a lot of great plays to over to overcompensate for the other center back, or other whatever, there's a big hole in the middle of the field left open. So if someone's running full speed down to pull him out of position and they lay a ball back over to the middle, it's probably going to go into the net because the center back who's supposed to be there probably will not be there. Well, the good news is, is there's a lot of speed on this city team, man. Um, let's hope that you continue to bring city some luck, Fletch, all weekend long as you are in the booth calling uh, the game for us. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it... Uh... It's uh, it's gonna get you know a little nuts. Yeah, man. Oh. So we'll be we'll be watching you. We'll be watching you on the feed. Uh, remember, for any fans out there that want to watch, uh, the kickoff is at three p.m. Central, 
4 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Thank you so much to Fletcher Sharp. You can find him on Twitter at SaintFTW. Uh, you can also find his writing on Midfield Press and on the NPSL website. Uh, Fletch, thanks again. Always great to have you, man. And we look forward to hearing from you tomorrow, hopefully for a city city win. Yeah, and hopefully then after that for the Saturday following. Oh, you'll be doing that too? If you guys win, I'll be coming on to talk about you guys and the championship. All right, bring awesome. us luck. Awesome, sounds good, dude. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, for sure. Have a good night. You too. Um, all right, so that is all for this week's show, folks. Thank you, as always, to uh, to Fletcher for joining us. But uh, our sponsor, Summit Brewing Company, before the summer gets too far away from us, be sure to check out a fantastic new brew our friends cooked up, the Lazy Sipper. Not to be confused with Lady Slipper or Lazy Stripper. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this summer ale is just right uh, for the summer and has just right of a hint of strawberries. It is fantastic. It is not a fruity beer, but it has a fruity hint. Give it a try and you, and you won't want to drink another beer again, maybe. Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If, you, if giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that loves to give back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us this summer playing with kids and parks and community centers and pretty much everything under the sun as far as soccer is concerned. Uh, consider making a tax-deductible donation to a truly city-focused organization. Send us mail. Bryn's done it all season. Everyone else can suck it. You have to yeah, step up your double middle, double middle fingers to everyone else. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Bryn gets our, uh, our, our mailbag supporter of the year award. <laughs> um, but it's easy, people. Hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. I'll say it again one more time so you get it, so you can send us mail, mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club at MPLSCitySC. That is all for this week's show. Once again, we leave you with our house MC, the undefeated Miles Stockton-Willis, <laughs> a.k.a. me, Lays, with a new track for all of you called Loco. I am John. That is Nate. That was Fletcher. It is win and go home from now on, folks. So let's shower the boys with positive vibes and bring home another trophy this weekend. And hoof them all. Hoof them all! Got a lot of the ball lately. Yep. Balling on them like, like a ball bearing. Uh-huh. Solo loco pulling hair. Crazy. What? Run the show like I ran. Aaron soon start going ball. Maybe what? people staring with that from wearing. Yep. Wanna make you a star, baby. Chromosome yep. to the perfect parent. She weigh more than all right. Bad bitch in her genotype. Damn right, I'm tryna pipe. Only ride if it settles, right? So high that settle like Goosebumps from the linen. Goosebumps, yeah, she's sinning. Baddie, touch her neck, that's hidden. Drop and take like I'm finished. I should live in Finland. Couple homies speak Finnish. Pen a drug, penicillin. My pocket pissin' is filling. My inner drive at the ceiling. Despicable how I'm feeling. Millions like minions. Rap star slash rap star Built a team support not far They bring the whole PR If only a sliver in my health bar Underdog the way I come back Overcast make them run laps In the club raining cats and dogs Where the fuck the umbrella's at?
Shooting magic bullets, know I got the juice. Got a big head, need a wider noose. Can't feel my face, still it's kinda loose. Feel it, been the truth, not it approved. Not a chain look like glitter glue. Other chain got a darker hue. Take a cruise, tip the whole crew. Whole fridge from Whole Foods. I'm rock hard, stoned offline. First time that she rock climb. Treat me like some rock candy. Now she wants a rock wine. Well worded with a slight slang. She the same cause her tongue rang. Throw shade when she sunbathed. 50 bands with my heart hang. Just some G's and G events. She villas chillin', we just venting. Speaking French and hailing French. She's trying to get the dream eventually. Even if it takes a century, I don't wanna be a bench. She to leave the gentry. People starving, truckers, Bentley money. We greeted and we pat down for the entry. Each assembly, what? If they don't want us, then fuck it, the lies. Team on my back, I still carry the cards. Buy what I like, care less about the cards. Writing with diamonds, I'm like Robert Shaw's. Life is a movie, the scene is just saw. You at the dentist, I'll leave you in awe. Tell you what it is, laid on the law. Flicking you up while I'm rolling the raw.